0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Natural Growing Through Biology. I'm Dennis Hornicky. I'm Steve Becker, and we're joining you from Tinyo Biologicals. Yeah, I mean, we're just going to kind of discuss some things. I mean, you've been out in the field, and you've seen some things um, here recently. So, I mean, we'll just kind of touch on that, and we'll take a topic and and see where it kind of takes us. I mean, this this first little bit, there's an article, uh, University of Illinois study corn takes up most of its nitrogen naturally and that, I mean, it's it's cool, but then you start looking into the research and you start seeing uh, what's going into that and I mean, these th- this wasn't, you know, any sort of fancy trial. This was like a fairly standard growth protocol where you've got fairly standard synthetic nitrogen fertilizers, which we expect to be the most available, most ready for the plant to use, according to you know conventional uh, agricultural practices. But the reality was that's not really what they saw.
1: No, and you know, it's I was in Kansas when this all came about and we huh? started talking about it. I was there with Gary Redding and a grower out there, and Gary's the one that pointed this article out Uh, to me. I had not seen it yet, but it was really interesting because we're standing in a field of corn, Uh and this corn is probably at V4, V5 Uh um, And we're talking about what had been done on this corn because it looked absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and there had been zero nitrogen applied and when I say zero nitrogen, there were two quarts of Fish, hydroly- fish hydrolysis. Wow, Apply. that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, mass amounts of oh, nitrogen. With hundreds that fish. of units. Yeah. 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 Um, so basically, it was spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a enzyme, mm-hmm. and it was fish. And that's I mean, it. That's it. Wow. That's all that was applied in furrow at the time of planting. Is um, this
0: a, is this a corn on corn field?
1: This this field was not. We did look at a corn on corn field. Uh-huh. Um, it And also looked pretty good. It looked pretty good, but you could see that uh, two years in a row, as we can imagine, corn on corn, it was showing a l- not as good a growth, sure. and you know it needed a little more help when it came <clears throat> to a foliar application yep. of nitrogen. But mm-hmm. what we're finding out is that. You know, amazing enough, it doesn't take as much nitrogen as we believe sometimes in agriculture yeah. that we need to use in order to achieve good yields.
0: Well, and when we work with uh, David Knauss of Apical, I mean, how often do we have that conversation with him? Less, 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 less. Yeah, and you well, know, I'll, we'll, we'll, I'll go ahead, I'll read the quote and everything so we can uh, we can get this. So according to the study, I'm going to read a quote out of the study, that's because the studies show corn takes up the majority of its nitrogen, about 67% on average, from sources occurring naturally in soil, not from fertilizer, according to the university news release. Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Science in the College of Agriculture, Consumer Environmental Sciences at University of Illinois. 67% yeah that's bonkers whether or not they're utilizing and and this they are they're using standard fertilizers standard fertility programs
1: and that's so much what we talk about when we talk about the soil's ability when we get these individuals functioning that Mm -hmm. are responsible for that within that soil environment the amount of nitrogen that can be produced for the plant based off of plant need which to me is always really exciting because i see this on a regular basis out on the field mm-hmm. that I talk to growers all the time. And in fact, I've even seen where growers apply nitrogen thinking they're doing a good thing mm-hmm. and benefiting um, that process. Yeah. And there's a very fine line of where, what is too much yeah. to where we actually shut those guys down. And you know, there's a lot of guys talk about that based out in the field environment. You know, Bruce used to talk about yep. that a lot. Don Huber's talk about it, Dr. White, talked about it the the more on
0: principle yeah
1: you know David as you had mentioned yep. earlier John mm-hmm. Kemp mm mm-hmm. um, the form of nitrogen is critical it based is. off of that microbial function yes and you know sometimes dr. White's research has showed excessive nitrate nitrogen shuts down the rhizophagy cycle yeah um, so not only we do we lose that nitrogen but we lose all those other benefits of those organisms within that soil environment by applying too much nitrogen. When we start to talk about the potassium mobilization, the trace minerals, the phosphate solubilization, the calcium availability. Um, So all of those things are dependent on the cycle. It's almost like- It's it's critical. It's like like
0: nature intended it to be that. And I mean, what you just said, it kind of sparked me and made me think about it because you're 100% right. This idea of, well, I need nitrogen, so I'm gonna apply nitrogen. But knowing that the nitrate, the nitrogen I just applied is shutting down rhizophagy. When we talk about that, you know, my, my little example of microbes are a 10, to 2 plus traces. You're shutting down like you just said. It's not just that you're shutting down that nitrogen. You're shutting down the phosphorus, the potassium, the zinc, the manganese, all of those trace minerals, the micronutrients, all of those that would normally part, be part of that microbial body, the plant would be consuming. That's all gone it's not just one thing off the table plus all the phytohormones plus all the other communication molecules those microbes would and should be utilizing Um, and then we start talking about some of the benefits uh, dr white has seen with uh, shutting down fungal pathogens once these organisms are shut down it's it's not like you know shutting down one small thing it shuts down massive um, different pathways It's the entire pathway that gets shut down, so we lose all of that.
1: Yeah, and I've seen that, like I said, out in a field environment where we, in a scenario where we use less nitrogen and actually see a much better response, especially when it comes to nutrient availability. Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about that, and there was a a wheat uh, study that we actually did, and we actually measured with zero nitrogen and with the excessive nitrogen and we saw a significant difference in nutrient uptake on those plants
0: yeah no across the board so i mean yeah this one we've shared this before this is a local wheat grower and it was um, 2.5 pounds of total nitrogen applied compared to 38 pounds of nitrogen applied in furrow and the yield was a little bit lower but the interesting thing like you said is looking at all those other elements, all those other minerals, all those other nutrients that show up because we have those pathways open. We're allowing those microbes to do their job, to extract that nutrition from the soil, from the soil matrix, from the organic matter, from that colloid, from that soil. And that's what their job is. That's what they're supposed to do. And then they feed it to the plants. So yeah, they saw phosphorus, say nitri- nitrogen, potassium, magnesium, calcium, iron, zinc, copper, silica, sulfur, iron, uh, iodine, boron, molybdenum, and the EC, which all of that came from just changing a little bit of one of the macronutrients we were applying and how much we applied it, forcing that system to function
1: on rhizophage. Yeah, and you know, the thing about it, there were a couple things that weren't actually higher. Well, that's true. I I need to be honest, the aluminum and the chloride (laughs) and the sodium were all down. Oh, darn. Yeah, so, I mean, but you know, kind of with that being said, one of the things that we're finding out too as we start to manage this biological process is you have to have an understanding of your field environment and your weather conditions and how those microbes are gonna perform. Because a lot of times as you had mentioned we were a little bit less on yield about mm-hmm. seven bushel mm-hmm. which with basically 37 or 36 pounds less nitrogen yeah we only missed it by seven bushel but just a light foliar application or soil early in the spring for tillering yep. could have made a huge difference yep. in this wheat and having an understanding of how this whole biological process works um early season when maybe the microbes weren't functioning at as high as level as we'd like to, and a lot of that comes down to, if you think about it, is how is this nitrogen made available? How does this whole process yep. work?
0: Yep, 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 and, and that's where we start talking about our different forms. You mentioned biological nitrogen nitrogen fixation, BNF. Um, And there are different types of nitrogen fixation that can happen. When we talk about nitrogen fixation, we're talking about a specific group of enzymes, the nitrogenase enzymes, that are responsible for splitting apart the nitrogen. So nitrogen in the atmosphere is two nitrogens, and then two, it's a, a diatomic element. Yeah, I believe that's what it is. Oh man, it's been a couple years. But basically, you have two nitrogens that are triple bonded together, and to break those covalent bonds takes a lot of energy. So to produce the energy that is necessary for breaking that apart, um, it is, biological nitrogen fixation is the most energetically expensive biological process that we know of, it is huge. So it takes about, if you talk about a glucose molecule, it takes half of the energy from that uh, glucose molecule that the organism would normally have, the plant would normally have, half of that energy goes directly to nitrogen fixation. It is hugely expensive. So, like we were talking about, um, with too much of a good thing, plants not going to do it, microbes not going to do it, they're not going to do it if they don't have to. If we're applying excess nitrogen, then the plant, the microbe, whatever organism, it's not going to do that, it's just going to take that freebie, and then you're going to lose out on some of the other pathways like we've talked about. Um, So, to get that nitrogen fixation going, it kind of takes a pretty specific environment. Oxygen is not your friend when we start talking about nitrogen fixation. So when we look at the nodule in uh, Rhizobia. Um, or in a legume where we have this nodule that's formed it creates an environment that can be well controlled and reduce the amount of oxygen that that nitrogenase enzyme is exposed to because once it's exposed to the oxygen it breaks it down and then that protein has to be rebuilt and then we need to make sure we've got you know the adequate vanadium, chromium, molybdenum, all those trace minerals that are necessary for uh, nitrogenase. So that's what's happening in a nodule. And we can talk a little bit more about um, interesting things that are going on in the nodule, but I wanted to talk about some of these other um, nitrogen fixing organisms, because we are talking about corn. Mm-hmm. We're talking about wheat. I haven't seen a lot of nodules. Do you see, do you find a lot of nodules? You know, I- those crops.
1: R- rarely do we get to the point where we start to see corn nuts on the plant. <laughs> um, is that what you're talking about? Yep, corn nuts. Yeah. No, actually, the interesting part is I've never seen a nodule on a corn plant. So you haven't, but you know, as we start to talk about this, a lot of that biological process just happens naturally in the soil. Sure. Because the environment, yeah, is conducive and we haven't disrupted that environment within it. And you know, I want to go back a little bit because we talk about nitrogen. Mm -hmm. One of the things we didn't mention here when we're talking about this, a form of nitrogen. Is also critical yeah. when we need additional nitrogen. Yep. So a lot of times I look at biologically friendly nitrogen yep. when we yep. need yep. a little bit more. Your soy proteins, your ni- you know yep. your fish. Those types of things are don't disrupt the process and actually enhance other microbial act uh, activity within that soil environment. When you start to t- kind of where you're heading. Well, of, it's,
0: well it's protein. It's yeah. the ammoniacal, It's the amino form, form. and that's what is needed to be used by all of these organisms so if we can supply it in that form energetically it is a fraction of the cost to take something that is already an amino acid and put it into a new protein and that's what all this nitrogen is about every protein is uh, built around these amino acids Um, And when we start talking about taking uh, the actual biological nitrogen fixation and forming it into an amino acid, I think it's glutamines, the first one, it takes like nine different enzymes to get that process to work. So all of those have to be generated. They all have core metal ions. So you need extra iron, you need extra molybdenum, you need all these extra um, elements to make sure those enzymes are functional. Or we just let the biology do it and we use a biologically available form amino acids fish hydrolysates all of those they they get rid of all of that and they take all that energetic all those energetic steps right out of there so the plant doesn't have to do them the micro doesn't have to do them
1: correct and you know so much of this as we talk about this is you know a lot of times when you go back to the rhizobium because that kind of what we were talking about we're not seeing that basically in your wheat your corn Mm -hmm. other plants we have those free living nitrogen fixes. that's where we were going exactly so we start to talk about You know, the endophytic or the free-living nitrogen fixers within the soil because it's not the nodules, it happens in a little bit different way.
0: Well, exactly. So, I mean, corn, wheat, most plants don't have those nodules. They can't work with creating that specific structure that these microbes, these nitrogen-fixing organisms, want and need to use. So, yeah, that's where some of the azospirillum, the azotobacter, some of these other nitrogen, the diazotrophic organisms, come into play where they can live around the root. That rhizosphere, that zone right around the root. We've talked about it in so many different ways on how it's this it's the home, it's the specialized structure. I mean, the pH can be up to two full points different. And like we talked about with that nodule, these organisms are also doing similar things to suck up the oxygen, to protect that nitrogenase around the root. So they have different strategies for doing that. Some of it is they're building molecules. Um, and we're not gonna get too much into the idea of trichome nitrogen fixation. I think should, Dr. White has talked about it, and it's super cool, but we're seeing oxygen scavenging molecules that are utilized to suck the oxygen up so the nitrogen fixation can occur and that's what's happening with these free living that are outside of the plant the next layer in are the endophytes and endo means inside so these are organisms nitrogen fixing organisms that grow inside of the plant and that can be in the root that can be in the stem the stock the leaf it can be all over so we need to kind of keep that in mind of utilizing some of these endophytic nitrogen fixing bacteria when we're applying them We can apply them and have them function in a variety of different sites on that plant. So doing an early season application of some of these endophytes so that they can establish throughout that plant and be fixing nitrogen for the plant throughout its growing cycle is critical. So er early season is definitely the best way to make sure you get those established.
1: And a lot of times what I see out in the field environment is that in that, I call it that lag point where you're you still need nitrogen, for example, like in your corn, but it's hot, it's dry, You know, the roots aren't functioning at as high as level. We're not taking up as much nutrition. They really carry that plant Mm -hmm. through that period all the way to finish. And it's it's really critical when we start to talk about overall soil health.
0: It's like shifting gears. We've got that little time where we don't have the power. So by, oh man, I'm gonna stretch this analogy way too far. By utilizing more carbon, more humates, more materials, we're, we're switching that from a geared type scenario to a CVT, a convi- continually variable transmission where <laughs> we just constantly have that feed and that supply as the plant needs it.
1: It just it That's just, the goal. It is. And, you know, just the other day, it was actually fun. We're, we've talked a little bit about corn. We're talking about wheat. We're talking about corn the endophilic. Fi- yep. We're talking about the free living. But, you know, the other day when we were down there, because we talk about the rhizobium, we uh-huh. talk about the nodules uh-huh. within that. And... You know, when I start to look at this and I start to look at biology of making nitrogen available to the plant, there was a uh, down looking at a garbanzo bean field. uh, Oh, you just, yeah, you were just there. But three weeks ago when I looked at that, you dug up the plants based Uh off biology versus no biology in a conventional program. And the amazing part is looking at those roots is the conventional program had no nodulation on it. Where the biological in two different trials both had massive amounts of nodulation going on, so they're already fixing nitrogen yep. within that environment. And a lot of times we talk about the, you know, the need, the functions of that biology. We're talking mm-hmm, about the mm-hmm, energy mm-hmm. it takes in order to fix nitrogen, and a lot of that comes down to what we talk about as phosphate solubilizers, yeah. making that available. The, the other trace minerals, the, the nickel. The yep. cobalt, all yep. of these things that are needed for this, we're not seeing it in a non-biological scenario, but mm-hmm. we're seeing it in the biological scenario.
0: Well, and those in the fields, those were nitro-coated. Those had yes. the rhizobia that they needed um so what we're seeing is oh there's absolutely a benefit from applying it's called co-inoculation we're utilizing multiple species that benefit each other it's like we talk about mycorrhizae helper bacteria there seem to be nodule helper bacteria. I don't know if that's a category of things, but how many years have we been seeing this where when we go into a field and we utilize some of these other plant growth running rhizobacteria that are beneficial, we see more nodules, larger nodules, that nice dark pink that we wanna see. We see that benefit so not only do we establish more nodule but yeah no we can increase the efficiency of that nodule
1: well and i as i was talking to the grower a a, Mm -hmm. a little bit about this is not only are we seeing that nodulation earlier on in the process because really we need that nitrogen but that carries on to the next year's crop yeah You know, so that's a lot of the reason why we have that. We break that cycle, but we actually are storing nitrogen, basically, within our soil environment. And, you know, it's actually kind of interesting because I was just down there uh again yesterday yeah and we were taking a look at this exact same field and we start to as we talked earlier we were talking about how that biological process it's not only nitrogen when you shut down that rhizophage cycle you shut down everything else Mm -hmm. when you stop that biology but walking through that field the regular or the control which is a regular program Mm -hmm. um just to give you an idea the plants had already started to cannibalize themselves yeah where they were yellow yellow about a third of the way up uh-huh. where in the biological trials basically there they were green Start all green. the way yep. to the ground mm-hmm. and what was really interesting when we when we started to look at this and go through that those plants is you could see the line where that difference was occurring based off it's based off of nutrition yeah um but the other thing that was really <laughs> exciting about it is when we t- Pick those fe- plants up out of the field, um, we took pictures of this, and we'll show them later on. Oh, I um, got the
0: picture up. You guys yeah. don't get to see it.
1: Yeah. Take that, podcasters. <laughs> but uh, you'll see it. Actually, the uh, Healthy Soil Summit oh, in California. Yeah,
0: we'll have it there. We'll
1: have it there, mm-hmm. which is a great event for all of you that are listening <laughs> to this podcast to attend if it hasn't already happened. When Acres plug. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the conventional uh, had 12 pods, Okay, um, not bad. Already start cannibalizing yeah. sure. itself. Sure,
0: well, yeah, that's not good.
1: Yeah. The biological with just a biological inoculum, nothing different, had 24 pods and was solid green from the ground up. And the biological with a fertilizer and a foliar application, mm-hmm. and we're going to do one more, had 38 pods. That's um, more than triple. Yes. And this was all just based off of plant sap yep. analysis. You know have we ever mentioned maybe test? Don't guess. Yeah, I think, I think that probably should be the name of the podcast. Exactly. So <laughs> with that being said, I mean, literally it all comes down to we start to talk about this of nitrogen fixation, yep. availability of nitrogen. The research out there that 67% of that nitrogen comes from basically biological activity within that soil environment. But it's not only that, when we let this system function, we see all these other benefits happening within that soil environment, when it comes to nutrient availability, Mm -hmm. trace Mm -hmm. minerals, and which is reflected in that plant. And especially in, I look at it in, Environments that are a little more severe or environmental stresses is really where we start to see this carry through in the plant, which is significant when we look at overall plant health. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, and with that, I think we've talked a little bit about nitrogen here. We've we have talked a little bit about overall soil health, yep. um, plant health, rhizophagy. Rhizophagi. You know, I, I guess a little tidbit. Um, In that field, this is actually really exciting when you start to see this for someone like myself, is the grower that we're talking about Uh here is in the Palouse, Uh very biologically minded, uh, no-till farmer, really pays attention to uh, the amount of nitrogen he uses, all these things. I will tell everybody that, that's part of what he does. Oh yeah. But the cool part about that, the changes we're starting to see in the environment mm-hmm. based off of that. Environment
0: and, dictates expression.
1: Uh, walking through his field, um, it was interesting because the field scout came out and said that there uh, are uh, army worms. They've had to spray for him a couple times mm-hmm. on all the fields, but his field wasn't at the economic threshold that mm-hmm. we had to worry about it. But the other interesting thing about it is it was not attacking his garbanzos, it was only attacking the weeds that were in the field. That's so, so the cool. weeds were being consumed, but yeah. none of the cash crop was being touched by the insect, which when you start to see that, that's that's kind of exciting stuff when you start to see that environmental change happening with these things that growers are doing and paying attention to. And I I don't think we sometimes give that enough credit. We so often pay attention to yield, but we don't pay attention to all of these other benefits Mm -hmm. that he did not have to spray. Not only the cost associated with spraying for the insect, but the overall plant health, the harm, Mm -hmm. all of these things, the beneficial insect, all of these things we talk about in regenerative agriculture, we now have not taken a step backwards because he's starting... He's made two steps forward, and that's really what you love to see in these processes. So exciting stuff out there. Uh, we look forward to seeing you all again here soon. Yep,
0: we'll we'll keep podcasting. We'll see people at the Healthy Soil Summit. We've got a few other presentations. This will be. Um, a, a good place to kind of remind people where we're going to be, what's yeah. coming up. You're going to be out in the field a lot. And we're, we're going to go Vets on the Farm. I think we're meeting with them here soon. Yeah,
1: that's on the Farm. Going to be back in Kansas, Ohio, yep. California. Oh all here in the next th- four or five weeks. So Man. we'll uh, look forward to seeing you next month.
0: All right. Well, thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, see you at the next podcast.